welcome to season two of Salty Women, the feminist podcast where we try and figure out where we are, how we got here, and how we're going to get out. You thought there would only be one season. <laughs> ha! So did we. Hannah. How are you? I haven't seen you for like four months. I mean, yeah, but you spoke to me at half ten last night. So it's it's not like you can be mourning my loss too much. Um... No, I haven't seen you for ages and I've missed you terribly. Um, I, I too can't quite believe we're back. I'm assuming this means that somebody is listening to us out there and that this just isn't some massive kind of help in the community cover up for you guys keeping me sane during the last year. Um, but if it is, that's lovely too. I appreciate your efforts. Thank you so much. Truman Show, Truman Show. <laughs> yeah, actually producing your I mean, Truman I, Show. I've never seen the Truman Show, but I remember when I was a kid hearing about the concept and genuinely for a few months being a bit terrified that that was actually my life. Yeah. Like, it really messed with my head. Anyway, moving on. Um, I'm okay, thank you, my love. I, um... In this weird land, which we'll kind of talk about a bit later, of GP, vaccine, elections, politics. Um, but the sun is now up. I have a lovely front garden. I am working from home today. And I just went and got a coffee and a massive slice of cake for breakfast from a little cafe in the village. And it was hang just... On, hang on, hang on, hang on, You said it was a cookie. I mean, yeah, it was a giant cookie slice. Is but... it a cookie or is it a cake? I mean, I thought cake might sound healthier, so for the benefit of our listeners, I was going with cake. But no, I admit, it was a massive fat slice of cookie with lots of broken up chocolate bars on the top, and it was bloody glorious. I'm now high as a kite. But my point is... I went out, I walked out, um, yeah, I walked to the coffee shop, I'm very proud of myself, uh, made it down there, got my cup of coffee, oat milk, flat white, thank you very much, we do it properly in Yorkshire, um, and then my slice of ridiculously calorific cake, I walked back, sat in my front garden, which I spent a lot of time on over the last few weeks trying to make it habitable, and this guy came over, no mask on, and like, you know, was saying, oh, I'm one of your neighbours, it's lovely to meet you, I'm loving your front garden, I'm going for a bike ride today, I was like, this is lovely, Jim, nice to meet you, why are all neighbours called Jim? Big question, I don't know the answer, but, um, Jim or Dave, right? It's just a neighbour <laughs> thing, if you're somebody's neighbour, you have Dave. to rename yourself Jim or Dave, um, but anyway, and I realised that yeah. this was probably the most yeah. normal, non-Covid Jim. morning, <laughs> Bar a face mask in the coffee shop and I popped in to put in my order. It was the most non-COVID morning I think I've had in about a year. Like, until I just mentioned it now, I have not heard the word COVID or coronavirus today. Which, wow. Yeah. It, it gave me hope. It brought optimism. Anyway, my love, how are you doing? How's your non-COVID world going? Um, the non-covered world is pretty well. I'm getting a lot of work done. For some reason, if I can't go out, I just work constantly. Which is great, because I'm a writer. So writers don't talk to each other by our very nature. Uh, So being locked in a 
room is actually a deal. Technically, as long as I have a keyboard and a screen, I am happy. Uh, but I was lucky enough to receive a grant in December by our beloved Arts Council. Yay! We love you, Arts Council. Thank you so much. Arts Council called a Develop Your Creative Practice Grant, which is allowing me time to switch over from writing by hand to dictating what I write. Um, And just to clarify, that is the difference between typing at 10 words a minute and typing at 50 words a minute. Wowzers. Which not only puts rocket boosters on your writing, but also, um, is a bit of a brain switch because what usually takes you an hour now takes you 10 minutes. I'm now also really worried for the next big legal case that you have because there will inevitably be one because regular listeners will remember that last time Athena was involved in a big legal case involving lifts she wrote this kind of report which was what 65,000 words or something and I mean if you can now dictate yeah that whoo how long is that going to be that actually was spurred on with the realization of if I want to be prolific or as a friend of mine says, fucking prolific. I need to be working with more than one finger. Well, yes, I'm just terrified for all lawyers in the future who have to come across you and what will be a million word document. Yeah. Because, my goodness, if if you get up to the same kind of production speed, I I'm quite scared. Um... I love you, but that level of prolificity... Is prolificity a word? I've made it a word. That level of prolificity from you is quite terrifying as a concept. I love that our producer, Sasha, is now clearly checking whether or not prolificity is a word. No, I don't think she's checking. I think she knows it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) What you can't see, if you're listening to this, is that we have Sasha and Julian on the screen recording. And we have no light there, Sasha, so what you write? Sasha just held a notebook up to the camera, blocking yeah. all light, making I mean, it no impossible to read. Also, they keep sneezing, and I keep automatically <laughs> wanting to say bless you, but then I realise that nobody can hear them sneezing. So if you're listening to this, you're just going to randomly hear me coming out with bless you as like some kind of evangelical type. Um, So yeah, listeners, bless you. But also if you're sneezing, double bless you. Right. I just wanted to make you feel (laughs) at home, Athena. That's that's all I live for, really. Um, So yeah, the world is a weird place right now. And this episode, we thought we'd just kind of gently catch up with what we've both been up to because it's been a wee while. like. Four months. You've been dabbing people. May I just say, at one point, they were putting calls out for jabbers. 
and our lighting technician said to me, they're desperate to find people to help give vaccinations. They'll take anybody. And I looked at him and I went, but will they take me? Oh, I mean, in <laughs> fairness, I got in a bit of a fight with NHS People, which is one of the big recruitment organisations in the NHS, because they put this advert out for vaccine volunteers. And it said, must be able to stand for long periods of time. And I kind of tweeted them and I'm like, this is really interesting, guys, because I've been practicing as a doctor now for over five years. And I've given quite a few vaccines in my life, performed some minor surgeries, that sort of thing. And I've done all of it sat down. So does this mean I can take the rest of the pandemic off? Um, apparently it did not mean that and they changed the advert because I got quite cross. Um, but um, actually, actually being able to sit down and give vaccines is great because if you're giving someone a vaccine, they too are sitting down. So I don't have to loom yeah. over them with a needle like some kind of, you know, psycho. I'm as in I, the film I psycho. It, I find it interesting that they were more concerned about your ability to stand as opposed to I don't know aim yeah, um, yeah. hand-eye or, coordination or, not you just stick the needle wherever you yeah, like or make like sure you can have a stable hand <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know load the vial um oh my goodness right Sasha has just popped up prolificity is a word prolificity noun the quality of being prolific fruitfulness Fecundity. God, I love the word fecundity. Today's word of the day is prolificity and fecundity. Fecundity. Prolificity and fecundity. Be sure to use it in a sentence three times today. Oh my goodness. Okay, right, that's the challenge. We've got to get the word prolificity in twice more in this podcast. (laughs) I'm on it. I am I am so on this. Sasha's just sitting there going, what have I created? I've created a monster. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the world the world is a crazy place. Um, to kind of give context of when it is that we're recording this, uh, we are recording this on the 14th of April. It is April. Um, and as of two days ago, pub gardens reopened, shops reopened. Um, we are making tentative steps out into the world, which is... Kind of exciting, kind of terrifying. Not gonna lie. Um, and yeah, I must admit, I've I keep seeing pictures and like videos on social media from outside pubs. And there was a video on doing the rounds on Twitter last night of this like massive street fight going on in York, which I always thought was quite a nice dainty city, but apparently not. Um, and I must admit, at that point, I was just like, oh god, we're all screwed, aren't we? Like lockdown 27 or whatever it's going to be bring it on like it's just a matter of time because there ain't no social distancing going when you're kicking someone in the head i would like it well it depends on how long your legs are i guess um (laughs) i would like to find out that you are the one who said on this show we can play it back I don't think we're going to have a national lockdown again in October. Yeah. 
I didn't do about that, you well, In fairness, sorry, I'm wrestling a cat. Seriously. Mm-hmm. In fairness, I thought they'd actually be able to make local lockdowns work and that local lockdowns would make far more sense. What I didn't think they would do was screw over the north of England. That was my naivety and stupidity. I kind of forgot the sheer idiocy of our government when it came to um, devolved power. So, yeah, my bad. I... I overestimated their abilities on that one um and lo and behold we ended up in yet another lockdown that seems to have gone on forever (sighs) but i think it could have been avoided i'm just saying could have been avoided um i have to say i equally find it amusing (laughs) i I got a john lewis advert in my email the other day that said Ready for your picnic at six? And I was just like, this is the first time ever in UK history that John Lewis is advertising picnics on the 12th of April when it's snowing. Yeah, the snow did rather screw things up. I mean, partly because I've already planted my daily achievers out. And whilst I'm not going to turn this into a gardening podcast, though when I come to power, that's totally what's going to happen. (laughs) I put my daily achievers out like two weeks ago and now it's frosted and it's snowed. And I'm not optimistic they're going to grow, Athena. My peonies, my peonies are looking very sad. And I use second year tulip bulbs, which is a rookie error. I I mean, I recognise that the British have a high legacy of radio gardening. But I really don't want to go down that route. I mean, I have become that woman who has a slightly inappropriate crush on Monty Don. It's the cord trousers. I just... The vet, the vet that our producer Sasha is nodding. Mm-hmm. Mm, like, me a great I, deal. I got genuinely quite upset when I realised on Friday because of all of the TV scheduling moving. I'd I'd been aiming for Gardener's World all day. Like that's my downtime. A nice glass of wine and Gardener's World on a Friday night. Oh, yes. Um, no, and it didn't happen because of course all the TV scheduling went over to Prince Philip. Which, fine, I'm not going to get into a big royalist debate, but Monty Don. Guys, <laughs> devastated, <laughs> devastated. So yeah, that's how that's how the world is right now. <laughs> oh, so yeah, welcome to the ending of lockdown. Um, hopefully, we won't end up in another one. But if people keep, you know, punching each other in the face in the street, I can't guarantee that. So if you were considering doing that this weekend, maybe hold off. And don't hug them either. That's also a bad idea. No hugging. No hugging, no punching, no kicking. Got it. So, Athena, my darling, my light, um, I thought it'd be really good to just kind of discuss where we are at the moment and what we've been doing for the last four months, because I think we've both been busy in, as ever, completely different ways. Um, So I've been stabbing people, you've been creating art. Which, when you put it like that, that, yeah, yeah, I don't come out looking good out of that. But 
Tell me about your art, my darling. My art. So, uh, our production company was fortunate enough to have the resources to create a, what we're calling a series of sites, uh, which is essentially a 28-part YouTube series. Each episode is about seven minutes long. If you are listening to this before April 30th, you are lucky enough to head on over there and check it out on the Fimbo's YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. But more importantly, the project was about um, coercive control and how emotion, um, specifically men use emotional manipulation in mind games in relationships. Um, it starts with an instance of image-based abuse and then it goes on from there. So really relevant given the kind of events of the last four months and also looking at how fine the line is between caring and complicity, I guess, in terms of covering with someone, giving them the benefit of the doubt versus enabling bad behavior by not confronting them. Wowzers. I mean, we all needed some light relief from the pandemic, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... (laughs) Pandemic actually aided the process a bit in that we filmed it um, during various lockdown stages in the performer's home. So it really is a piece of work that was assisted, aided, spurned by the conditions we're living under, or we're living under at that time. But you get to see the Aubrey of Blender. Which is a pull in itself, to be honest, and somewhat terrifying. Can you just um, demonstrate to me that you still have all ten fingers? I I would be grateful to just witness that. Um, yes, I see. Great. Yeah, yeah. Regular I mean, listeners will be I reassured. I can count all digits. Yeah, oh, no, that's I fine. can't move them independently. But that's not the fault of the funding. That's more <laughs> the fault of the brain injury. Okay, well, as long as we're clear who the real culprit is here. Um, it sounds amazing. So I have an exam on the 28th, and then I have the 29th and 30th off. So you know what I'm doing on the 29th? When I have brain space? Binge-watching! I am going to binge Athena Stevens. Yeah.
which I'm really looking forward to. I might do it with a large bottle of wine, though, given the content. I might I might benefit from that. Yeah, yeah. don't uh, get but, increasingly angry. I mean, I think it's kind of inevitable that I'm going to, listening to the content description. But I think it is an excellent um, representation of how a pandemic need not halt one's prolificity. Yeah, see what I did there? I just, that's that's two out of three. I just got prolificity in. One yeah. down, one to I, go. I'm kind of disappointed. Yeah, I've got one more to go. So, like, look out for that. Um, great, okay. And now you're reading everything that moves, is my understanding from what you were telling me last night. Surely one reads everything that doesn't move because if you're reading everything that moves, it's a bit hard to keep your place. <laughs> I know what I mean. Oh, dear Lord. Um, great, okay. But you're reading many books and what we've decided to do for the final section of each podcast is um, we're going to take a little bit of a break from the feminist questions and we're going to try and talk about a different feminist book in the final section of each pod instead for this season. So if you have a feminist book you would love us to chat about on the show, um, I'm always looking for recommendations and we both like reading. So do tweet us at Salty Women Pod, or drop us an email and we would love to read, discuss... Any feminist tomes, fiction, non-fiction, somewhere in between. We're totally down with that. Um, so yes, I'm I slightly feel worried. Like about say, I, feel, I feel like we are positioning ourselves to make a move to take over women's hour. Because so far we've got gardening, art, books, <laughs> feminism. <laughs> I'm hoping is we're not quite as controversial. Yes. What? Yes, this is my next okay. career move. I mean, Women's Hour has been a little bit controversial of late, so maybe maybe we won't quite go there just yet. But, I mean, ultimately, I'm looking for a route out of medicine. That's a joke. I'm not leaving my profession just yet. Pivot. Yet. Pivot. <laughs> yeah, COVID quick pivot. pivot. Let's talk about vaccines, shall we? Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't stab and stab Yeah, I mean, actually, um, it's been really interesting because we started jabbing in January and I was really struggling kind of from a mental perspective with my job in the run-up to that because I wasn't seeing patients very often. A lot of it was phone calls and I'd have maybe one or two face-to-face appointments a day. And I found myself getting more and more depressed and feeling more and more rubbish at my job because I'm just like, I didn't do this to work in a call centre. I did this because I like people and I want to help them. And I don't feel I can form relationships, working relationships with people over the phone in the same way. Um, so I was getting myself really depressed and like every day coming home and just ranting at my mother that I was going to quit medicine and go become a florist. I don't know why a florist. I have a hay fever. That would be a terrible idea. But um yeah I decided that that's what I was gonna do um and then jabbing started and I was suddenly running clinics where I was seeing people because it's very hard to vaccinate them over the phone and it was lovely we had like people in their 90s 
coming in, having not left the house for over a year, and they were dressing up like it was a proper special occasion because it was. And they were coming in in, like, suits and stuff. And honestly, my little heart, I had one 97-year-old who tried to hug me, and I had to explain to her that she wasn't allowed, but it was just kind of like, I appreciate your gratitude. Because she's like, you're getting me out of my house. I was like, you're so welcome. Have a needle. Um, So that was lovely. Um, And then the vaccine itself is really quite painless to the extent that the needle is so small. I've had quite a few people refuse to believe I've given it to them. And one very elderly lady got really quite (laughs) cross because she was convinced I was doing her out of her vaccine because she didn't feel it. And I had to kind of show her the syringe and show her the vial and all of this before she would believe I'd actually given her a vaccine at all. Um, So if you're worried about getting your jab and you're listening to this, please don't, because genuinely I nearly got clocked by an old person who thought I was lying to her. It's that painless. Um, So please be reassured. I was looking at photos early on and I was going, that needle is tiny. I'm not even of a medical background and I can recognize it. That that needle is itty bitty. Um, yeah. And I don't think they're photoshopping it. No, no, we only have to give, for the Pfizer, it's 0.3 mil, and for the AstraZeneca, it's 0.5 mil, which is quite a diddy well. amount. Um, so, yeah, God, the power of medicine. It's incredible, isn't it? Um, so it's going relatively well. We've had the inevitable kind of pushback against the AstraZeneca because there have been concerns raised about the blood clots. Um, the go, the kind of main message is that we don't know definitively that the vaccine causes blood clots. The rate of blood clots with the vaccine is four in every million. We have given 20 million, more than now, 20 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine and have had 79 blood clots, 19 of which have been fatal. So the risks are teeny. It is one in a million that you will get a fatal blood clot from this vaccine. And it's also worth acknowledging that quite a few medications we give regularly, including the contraceptive pill, the combined oral contraceptive pill, have a far higher risk of blood clots. And finally, if you were to catch COVID and end up in intensive care, you have a 23% risk of having a blood clot. So there are some nice reassuring statistics for you that say if you get offered a vaccine, any vaccine, please take the bloody vaccine because trust me, your risk of blood clots is higher if you get COVID. That is yeah, I mean, I saw online someone said, if you're worried about blood clots from the vaccine, wait till you hear about the pill that women have been using for decades. Yeah. It's, it's really frustrating that we don't have more research and we still are using, having to use contraceptive methods that do come with that additional risk. And it'd be great if we could plough far more money into contraception. So, oh my God, men could like use contraception that wasn't a condom as well. Can you imagine? Um, but I think I saw a tweet from the British Pregnancy Advisory Service recently that said they're quite worried that actually people are going to, we're going to see a massive spike in people not having the combined oral contraceptive because we're now all talking about the risks of this in comparison to the AstraZeneca jab. And they're sort of like, yes, but the risks of, you know, 
unwanted pregnancy and stuff when people just randomly come off their pill. So, I mean, I think it's worth just reiterating that every time we start anyone on any pill, there are a lot of questions we ask to try and mitigate that risk down as much as possible. So if you have a family history or personal history of having had a venous thromboembolism, I will not be starting you on the combined oral contraceptive. So we do try and mitigate that risk by taking a really good family history. But the risk is still there. And um, I think you see this whenever you bring in a new medication. I was listening. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called the Shiger Principle, the Shiger Cycle. I'll check it out. Um, Where every new drug that comes to the market is kind of immediately touted as a wonder drug and then you kind of see a pushback against it and then it kind of falls out and it just becomes another routine drug. And then this happens for the next drug and the next drug and the next drug. And it's, I think it's called the Shiger cycle. Um, and yeah, I think that's just what we've seen with the AstraZeneca actually is that you've just seen this kind of like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's going to save lives. Oh wait, it's not perfect. Oh, okay, let's try something else. But the AstraZeneca jab still works. Um, many of my loved ones have had it. And yeah, if you're offered it um, and you're over the age of 30, I would definitely take it. If you're under the age of 30, you should probably be offered something else is the new guidance. So worry not. Why 30? I don't know about this. So because the very few um, clots we've seen, we have seen that they are slightly more likely to occur the younger you are. Whereas the benefit from the vaccine is slightly lower the younger you are. So they've decided that if you're under 30, you will be offered a Pfizer or Moderna jab instead of the AstraZeneca one. And, you know, they're being uber, uber cautious here. Like we don't have masses of research either way, because there have only been 79 blood clots from AstraZeneca in the UK in 20 million. So, you know, they don't have masses of evidence, but what they have got is kind of leaning to being a higher risk for younger people. So they're just saying, right, we've got alternative vaccines. Let's just give those to the under 30s. There you go. Good Everything you want to know about vaccines. <laughs> hey, right. home. And yeah, yeah. So um, I think the one thing we really need to talk about in this episode is the fact that there are massive elections coming up in the UK. Um, and I'm really worried that not many people know about them because they're not a general election or a referendum. Yeah, it's so bizarre. And what concerned me in Regards to our pre-discussion last night, as I said, are the terms going to be five-year terms or four-year terms? Given the elections were put off last year due to COVID, and your response was? I think it varies depending on where you are. Yeah. So there are a number of different elections. nightmare. <laughs> well, there are a number of different elections going on at the moment. So, um, Holyrood and the Welsh government are having elections, and then um, there are local council elections happening around the UK for town and district councils and borough councils, I think. And then we've also got the GLA elections in London and the mayoral elections in London. So, there's a lot of elections going on on the 6th of May. I think many of us were expecting them to be postponed because, you know, minor pandemic and arguably getting a lot of people going into postal to um, voting places at the moment is a bad idea. But that doesn't seem to have stopped them. 
um which isn't ideal because it's making campaigning really hard and if you can't like if you don't have internet access which is something that disproportionately affects <laughs> women and the vulnerable and people who are socioeconomically deprived if you don't have internet access it's very hard to get information about who is contesting your elections and to make informed decisions um but it turns out that our government doesn't really care about disenfranchising people who are unlikely to vote tory so can you can you see that i've been raging about this for a while um so the elections are happening on the 6th of may um there is still time to register until i think the 19th of april and get a postal vote it is very sensible wherever you are ask for a postal vote they are expecting a lot of postal voters this time because that way if you do have to for example self-isolate on no notice on the 6th of may when the elections are you are still able you will still have voted already so you don't miss out on the opportunity to vote and like i think it's often underestimated how much local councils do um yeah like it's not just bin collections and potholes they commission a lot of local services so if there is anything that's bothering you locally whether it might be your local sexual health services or just just masses of stuff educational issues whatever it is your local council has a huge influence on how stuff works locally so i think a lot of people don't bother to vote in these elections but they really really should um because it's not all just bins and potholes and parking like there's a lot more to it um so first thing is please vote on the 6th of may second thing is if you are voting on the 6th of may you can vote for the women's equality party in a range of different places um and that's really good and there are a number of reasons you might not want to vote for the mainstream parties one of the big reasons at the moment is that our government our ruling party have just decided that they have complete impunity to get away with literally anything they want it's it's like the tory party is kind of looking at each other going oh you got away with that let me show you what i can get away with and it's it's kind of terrifying that there's so little being talked about so you know three big examples at the moment the race review which declared that there is no institutional racism in the uk Um, turns out that actually number 10 probably wrote large chunks of that report um, because one of the commissioners on the report has kind of turned around and gone yeah no that that wasn't us that's that's bonkers Um, and a lot of people around the UK have well very very educated knowledgeable people in this area have turned around going well that is clearly rubbish we definitely have a problem with institutional racism in this country Um, then we have the green sill crisis which is the one thing that people are talking about because hey it's deflecting all of the pressure on the current prime minister to a previous prime minister who's off having made a lot of money anyway so he doesn't really care um so yeah our previous prime minister decided to lobby all of his mates um having joined up working for a big kind of investor bank place um he lobbied all of his mates to try and get them to put public funds into said investments um that's quite bad that's that's quite dodgy and it looks like people involved in said investors were given quite a lot of access to number 10 prior to this as well but you know that's the one thing we are apparently talking about because what we don't want to be talking about is the fact that the prime minister had a four-year affair and apparently took the woman on various trade missions 
and organised her to receive quite a lot of public funding to the sum of at least £120,000. Um, we don't really want to be talking about that, as he did it whilst he was mayor of London, um, allegedly. I'm just saying allegedly, but that's what she has said has happened. So, yeah, it's quite scary at the moment, our political climate. And I think a lot of things are happening under the guise of, but there's a pandemic. Look over there at the pandemic. It's The pandemic has turned into the biggest dead cat in British politics ever. So, yeah, vote. All we can do right now, right now, is bloody vote. So do it. Yes. There you go. That was a bar and brown, brown rant, if you ever, you've heard one. You're so welcome. Indeed. <laughs> Have I just left Athena Stevens silent, stunned with the sheer ridiculous impunity? Yeah. So, this is the first episode of season two of Salty Women, and this sort of things up a bit. Hannah and I have been in conversation, and there's a lot of really good feminist books out there that some of them you may know, some of them you, you may not. So, we decided to start. Select a book every week and talk about its points, why we love it, what it says about where we are, all of that. So this week, we are looking at Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo. I read this book about two or three months ago. Um, and I could not get through it fast enough. It was from the opening moment of following this director on the South Bank to the National Theater to the very, very end. I found it fascinating in what it has to say about the complexities of being a woman, a woman of a different race in Britain today, and everything else in between. And because you know, we now have video. Oh, it's great to do a cover reveal on a podcast. Hey, we might be like uploading yes, YouTube videos. There we go. I'm modelling it for you. It's a beautiful book. Highly recommend. Um, I'm going to be honest, my love. Like I read this in the second half of last year, but I read insanely fast. And so one of my big life challenges that I'll read a book and I won't remember it in much detail a lot of the time. But I, every single time I read a book, I write a little mini Instagram review of it because I am a cool kid and I love data and I have to keep records of everything I do. Um, you're meant to deny that I am not cool and you're meant to go, yeah, Hannah, you're so... It doesn't matter, fine. Um, so anyway, so once my Instagram loads up, I, I will share I, that with you. But I remember this being one of... But actually my favourite book of the year last year because it covers the lives and tells the story of 
so many different women at completely different stages of their lives around the world. And some of those stories will absolutely haunt me for life. And I think the thing that Bernadette Everisto does really beautifully in this, Bernadine Everisto, sorry, um, does really beautifully in this is that she um, comes at stories from an angle that you often don't read about. So the one that really sticks with me is the story of Dominique, who meets a woman, falls in love, moves to the States and ends up in an abusive relationship. And we very, very rarely hear the stories of LGBTQ plus people in abusive relationships. And I think it's really, really important that she came at it from that angle and told that story, because it's certainly not one that I've read before. Um, So, yes, I wrote, here's my little review. Another widely recommended book, which really lived up to the hype. Book 33, because I count them as well, because, you know, I'm cool, um, is incredible. I can't even begin how to properly express how much I loved it. I raced through it and so now need to read it again because I so loved discovering each of the incredible characters and their interconnected lives. Read it, cherish it, thank me later. So fair to say, I'm quite a fan. It is interesting how, oh, I would say every chapter you were starting back on page one. And each of those voices had their individual arc that may run into the other arcs or they may not. Um, But you were thrown into an utterly different body and utterly different perception with each woman, woman you were with. And I think that's really, we are reaching the point, I try to do this in my own work, hopefully I do it to some degree, where the narratives of the stories we tell about women are changing because the cliched narratives are no longer enough. They just aren't. Uh, they were perpetuated by men. They were written by men who have no idea what it's like to be in a woman's body. Um, you know, for centuries, women, there was no point in teaching the woman to read or write. And whatever started done has created women who are so full and so detailed that you you know them in the very brief 30 pages you spend with them. So I, I think the point there about how men have obviously written women for centuries and that's partly why they're so badly written is really key because I saw a great speech and it's clearly quite an old one from and why do names fall out of my head Reese Witherspoon um last night and she was accepting like the glamour woman of the year award or something but she said ever it's like she started making films when she was like aged 14 and she said so often 
if she'd read through multiple scripts and every single one there would be a moment of crisis and the woman would turn to the man and say the immortal question what are we going to do now um to the extent that you know her daughter was now watching films and pulling up the fact that there is always a woman turning to a man and going what are we going to do now and she made the really important point that you know we tell children we tell everyone if you're in trouble ask a woman like there has never been a woman who does not know or at least have an idea of what to do in a crisis because we are i mean and i'm extrapolating a bit further from what she, where she went but because we are kind of it's ingrained into us from a very young age of how to keep ourselves safe and what to do if we're in danger because it's so much more likely to happen to us we're pretty good at it um and so she then talked about how she set up her company which optioned multiple books before they even became bestsellers and turned them into films because she wanted to ensure that we had women writing women and women directing women and that we were telling the stories of many many different women from different perspectives and they were never ever turning to a man and going but what do we do now um and i think that's why everisto does this so so well is because she does she tells such a wide variety of stories she clearly has not lived all of these lives but she knows women in a way that I would argue women really know women um and yeah I think just the the discussions around sexuality and gender and race obviously are fascinating through this book and she doesn't pigeonhole so it's not like you know this is the lesbian story and this is the non-binary person story and this is the mother story each of them is such a multifaceted character that I think that's why I adore this book and why I will continue to keep rereading it. Um, because, yeah, nobody is just kind of like this, I am telling this story now and then this story now. They are all beautifully interlinked and each character is so, so incredibly multifaceted and in such a short space as well like each one just gets like a chapter or two each and that's it but you really have a very good idea of who that person is by the end of it and I could read an entire novel about each of them and it feels like I have so I think yeah. it's fair to say we've started with the corker oh, yeah, book, guys. yeah definitely definitely read Girl Woman Other yeah. by Bernardina Varisto because it's just utterly stunning i promise we probably won't absolutely adore and love every single book we discuss on here um in fact knowing you and knowing me i think we're probably going to end up quite fiercely disagreeing on some of them um if we've both read them which is great because that's what a good book should do right i've never written one so indeed Shall we take it to the outro? Indeed. Indeed. There's a lot of indeeding today. So, this podcast was brought to you by Athena Stevens and Hannah Barham Brown, composer and sound designer, the glorious Julian Starr. Social media and community builder was the epic Laura Meaton, and produced by the ever. Damn it, I was trying to make prolificity fit in and I failed. 
produced by the queen of prolificity herself, Sasha Billingham, for Aegis Productions. <laughs> <laughs>